0: morning all right happy new year yay yeah yeah i tell you what my idea of a good new year's time is sleeping on the couch at nine o'clock amen Uh, so uh that uh, or just sleeping at all now that i have a baby just sleep any kind of sleep sleep in the car sleep anywhere right um but uh, i am glad to tell you that last night If anyone here is praying for me, God bless you, because last night, I guess really for us, not just for me, but last night, uh, Olivia slept in her crib and did phenomenally. So uh, now this morning, this morning, when I was uh, trying to get up, my wife's like, you know, you have to preach today. Get up, get up, get up. Uh, So uh, getting used to the schedule with the newborn is a little bit different, but here we are. Praise God. Uh, and let me just say this much, uh, you are in church for the first Sunday of the year. Yeah. And that's a great way to start. Um, I'll probably mention this again during the morning service, but it was two years ago uh, that Jackie and Ben came to church for the first time, and then that that, that same day they got saved. <laughs> and it was on this Sunday service. It was January 3rd, uh, 2021. No, T- uh, yeah, yeah. She always they'll always correct you. Yeah. Yeah. They always know. They always remember. Uh, but uh, what a, what a great way to start the year. And I know some of you are tired. I know you, some of you got things you're dealing with and some of you are just getting over sickness and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm thankful that you decided and chose and life is all about decisions uh, that you chose to be uh, in church this morning. Uh, Some of the young men went out last night and did some street preaching. That was a real blessing to see the pictures from that and just see them get out there. Um, And uh, I I told one of them, I said, be at church tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. He said, yes, sir. I said, not 1130, 10 o'clock. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, So anyways, John chapter two, uh, let's start reading in verse number 13, uh, talking about the Passover. And we're going to learn a little bit about the Passover and and some things historically as well as... uh, Uh, some things that I think are important in regards to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Uh, Look at John chapter 2, starting in verse 13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And by the way, that is where uh, they were commanded to hold that feast. You know, one of the great things about the New Testament is you can worship God wherever you're at. It, It doesn't mean that you shouldn't come to church, and the church isn't special and all that, but you can worship God in your car, and you can worship... That you, are, that you take the temple with you everywhere you go, right? In the Old Testament uh, and, and during the ministry of Jesus Christ, the, the place of worship was in Jerusalem. So this is where the Jews would go certain times of the year, uh, and they have certain feasts that they would have to attend according to the Old Testament law. And those feasts were a picture of things, and the Passover is a picture of something as well. We're going to learn that in just a moment. But look at verse uh, number 14. Uh, the Lord goes to church and he wants to, th- let me just say this, uh, church is not supposed to be a free for all. Church is not supposed to be what you want it to be. Church is supposed to be what God wants it to be. American Christians have it backwards. It's like, well, how, how's it going to work for me? Is it convenient for me? Do they have the stuff I like? Do they, uh, will I have friends? Well, and look, you should find community and you should find all that at church. Uh, but let me just say this much. We messed up as a country when we started telling people, find the church of your choice. That's not the right idea. Find the church of God's choice uh and and if you can do that that'll go a long way now the lord finds some things in the temple that shouldn't be going on uh, and he found the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting and when he had made a scourge of small cords what would jesus do i'll tell you what jesus would do he'd make a whip and run through the church and kick people out how's that for growing a church Pastor Adrian, I think you should just tone it down and not preach so hard. We could grow our church easier that way. Okay, do you want to follow the biblical example? Uh, you know what, Jesus Christ, now look, I'm going to be honest with you. He has a lot more courage and guts, and and, and I think it's, it's called moral courage because he was truly all, all, all righteousness, right? But he goes in there with a the whip and chases people out of church. Can you imagine a pastor doing that today? Some of you, just the mental picture right now kind of throws you off, doesn't it? You know, uh, had me come in there and I'm like, what are you doing in here? Ah! I mean, that just wouldn't work. And yet that's exactly what the Lord did. Uh, he, he made a skirt, And the reason I mention this is that people have this idea of who Jesus is. Right. In a lot of people's minds, Jesus is like this effeminate hippie that would never do anything that would hurt anyone's feelings or challenge them spiritually. Here's the Son of God going into a place that is supposed to be reserved for him and for his Father, and he sees that things are not in order. Now, here's a question. We can look at that and go, okay, that's the Lord, and he goes into church and he sees things that are out of order. Can he come into our church and go, hey, we need to get some things in order? How about this one? Can he go into your life and do that? Uh, your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. So we're going to dig into that a little bit further. Can the Lord go into your life and say, I don't want that there? Well, if you would ask me nicely, he doesn't have to ask you nicely. See, this is just, it's like, well, I don't understand why. I mean, the the Lord, he is, he is God. Remember that. And so if he comes in and notices some things are out of order, he should be able to say, let's drive this stuff out. Notice he didn't ask anyone's permission when he did this. He didn't go in and go, hey, what do you guys think about this? Let's take a vote. Let's do a Southern Baptist vote. Who wants to vote? Let's, let's say who thinks we should get rid of the money changers. He didn't do that. He goes, I know what I'm saying is right, therefore I'm going to act on it. There's so many lessons in this story, it's unbelievable. Do you you realize when the Lord shows you that something is morally the right thing to do, you don't have to take a survey. You can just do it. (laughs) And the Lord just did it. Um, Look what it says here in verse number 15. When he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house an house of merchandise. And his disciples remember that was, that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. That is a quote from uh, the book of Psalms. But uh, again, I want to take a, a little bit of time to kind of dissect the idea of the Passover. The first thing I want to point out uh, before I get into uh, all the typology is this. If you were to look at the Gospel of John, the references are up there. John 2, John 5, John 6, John 13. There are four Passovers that take place in the Gospel of John. You say, well, why is that significant? Well, if the Lord starts His ministry around the Feast of Tabernacles, and then for 40 days, uh, He's tempted of the the devil, Uh, the next major feast after that would be the the Passover, about a couple months later. So then you've got the Passover. All right, There's John 2. John 5, John 6, John 13. This is the last one where he breaks bed with his disciples. All right. Now you say, why is it important? There's three and a half years of his ministry. Uh, if you look at the Old Testament and you look at Daniel's 70th week, uh, a lot of the debate and a lot of the controversy about the length of the, of the Great Tribulation goes back to that. Now one thing I can say for sure is this, is that it, it appears uh, right here that it's very possible... Uh, that the first half of Daniel's seventieth week has already taken place. All right. Now, the reason I say that is because anytime you go into the, uh, the, the the references in Revelation or in Daniel to the length of the Great Tribulation, it's always three and a half years. Forty-two months, forty-two months, forty-two months. You say, what is that? Well, there's 42 chapters in Job. You say, what happens with Job? Job's a picture of Israel. Job loses everything. The devil comes after him. And in the end, God restores him and resurrects his family, so to speak. All right, you say, what's that A great picture of Israel? 42 chapters in Job, 42 months in the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation is called the time of Jacob's trouble. But Jesus' ministry is three and a half years. Now, why do I mention that? Because the Antichrist seeks to mimic everything that the Lord does. I would not be surprised at all... If during the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist does a, a mockery of the Passover. Um, and uh, and th- there's a lot of debate. I'm time to go into all of it. There's a lot of debate over what is meant in the book of Daniel when it talks about the sacrifices being ceased and all of that. One thing that's very clear, however, uh, when it talks about the Antichrist is the abomination of desolation. Uh, and if you want to read about that, you would go into Matthew chapter number 24. Uh, and let me just give you this and we'll move on to the Passover. Uh, anytime you ever read or watch a YouTube video or a TikTok or whatever you, you might want to do about Scripture, uh, if someone mentions Matthew 24, red flags should go up in your mind and just know right away that's not the Rapture. All right, that's that's the Day of the Lord, uh, and you'll hear about the Great Tribulation, and, and 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 that's all accurate. But you have to understand that the Rapture is not the Day of the Lord. The Rapture the day of the Lord is the second coming of Jesus Christ where he establishes his kingdom on the earth. In the rapture, we meet him in the clouds. In the day of the Lord, his feet touch all the way down on the Mount of Olives, Zechariah chapter number 12. All right, so those are two separate events. When you get someone, and there's a guy that became famous a couple years ago by going on YouTube saying that Christians go through the tribulation, Uh, when you get people saying that, it's because they haven't learned how to rightly divide their Bible. Uh, One thing is, is for sure, though, there's a... There's a, uh, if you will, a uh, uh, imitation of the ministry of Jesus Christ that goes on, excuse me, uh, in the Great Tribulation. And the Antichrist seeks to mock everything that the Lord does. So you know what Jesus Christ is called? He's called the Son of Man. The Antichrist is called the Man of Sin. Uh, Jesus Christ has the mystery of godliness. The Antichrist has the mystery of iniquity. And they're both the, the kind of the same idea, but inverted. The mystery of godliness is God manifest in the flesh. The mystery of iniquity is the devil manifest in the flesh, pretending to be God. All right? So all through the Bible, you see these, uh, these, these areas where Jesus has something, the Antichrist mimics it. So Jesus has a ministry of three and a half years. Guess how long the Antichrist ministry is? Three and a half years. All right? Um, and so, uh, without going into all of it this morning, some of the debate that goes on among Christians is whether or not the tribulation is seven years long, or three and a half years. One thing I can say for sure, uh, without doubt, is that the great tribulation—the wording is important. The Bible uses the word "great tribulation." All right. If if you were to make the argument that Daniel's seventieth week is still completely intact, then that means that that there's a period of time coming in the future that lasts seven years, and the latter half of that is the Great Tribulation where the Antichrist reigns. Or you could make the argument, and I'm not going to tell you that I've got it all figured out because I don't, that Jesus Christ fulfilled the first half of Daniel's 70th week during his three and a half years, and then the Antichrist comes after him. The reason why that thing kind of makes a little bit of sense, I'll tell you why, is because during the time of Jesus Christ, you realize Rome was in power, there was a one-world government, there was a one-world language, just like what you're going to have in the end, at the end of the Tribulation, all right, at the end of the world. Uh, there was, uh, during uh, Jesus Christ's ministry, there was the betrayer who's called, what? The son of perdition. Who else is called that in the Bible? The Antichrist. So you had everything in place during the ministry of Jesus Christ that if if, if uh, Israel accepts him, then you say, what happens? Well, Judas comes out of the bottomless pit right then, back 2,000 years ago, and the, and the tribulation uh, commences. That That's a possibility. So if you take this, this right here, and move it out 2,000 years, it possibly fits just like that. So one thing I can tell you for sure, and if I'm losing some of you, I apologize, is this, is that the Antichrist is going to have a reign of three and a half years, and it's going to be an imitation of Jesus Christ, all right? And you say, well, wh- where, how did we get this from John chapter 2? Well, if you follow the Passovers, what you learn is that, again, it points to the fact that Jesus Christ's ministry is three and a half years long, all right? So some of you are going, why didn't you just say that? Well, if I just said that, you wouldn't know all the scripture behind it, right? Uh, So uh, one thing I do want to point out, though, is that the Passover is a a great picture of something. Look at uh, Exodus chapter 12. And if you don't get this, um, I've had countless conversations with Brother Craig about this. Uh, I think one of the the most tragic things is that a lot of Christians today don't read their Old Testament. And there's so much about the New Testament that really doesn't make sense unless you read the Old Testament. Um, and so if you are starting on Leviticus and your New Year's resolution is to get through Leviticus for the fourth time, amen, so you can get through the rest of your Bible and, and finally get to Deuteronomy, you know, whatever, uh, then, then listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to encourage you, th- you need to read it because there's stuff in there that will help you understand the New Testament. The New Testament by itself does not make sense without the Old the New Testament is the fulfillment of the old. So don't cheat yourself. Listen to me. If you're on a diet and you break that diet and you do it in secret, you didn't cheat anybody else. You cheat yourself, right? If you're supposed to go, if, if you're supposed to, go to the gym in the morning and work out and you don't do it because you stayed up too late, you're not cheating anybody else. You're cheating you, all right? You go, you're going, man, why are you talking about this? You know, we, we just got over to the holidays and ham and mashed potatoes and gravy. <laughs> don't talk about the gym right now. Uh, but but you understand what I'm saying. You're only cheating yourself if you skip the Old Testament. All right. Now look at Exodus chapter 12. Let me, let me show you something here that I think is uh, pretty profound. I know some of you have probably seen this before. Uh, but what you have is this. Um, the Lord brings the children of Israel out. I'm going to make room up here. Uh, the Lord brings the children of Israel out of Egypt. And when he does that, or right before he does that, he gives them some instruction. I'm going to turn this this way. And what he does, basically, is he says, look, you need to put uh, the blood upon the doorpost of your house. All right? And so you got a door, right? And you're putting blood here and blood here and blood here. Well, what does that look like? They didn't know that. They had no idea. How would they have known that? The Lord knew that. Right? And so what, what they were told to do is put the blood... On the doorpost of the house, and so what would happen is the angel of death would literally pass over. There's a song we sing um, "When when I see the blood. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. The word Passover is literally the angel of death passing over whatever house had the blood applied. Well, where did that blood come from? Uh, Look at Exodus chapter number 12. Before they get to the Red Sea and God brings them out, He's going to uh, uh, sanctify His people, and He's going to separate them from the world, from Egypt, right? And show who's who. Uh, And uh, so look at Exodus 12, and look at verse number 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man. What are the next two words? All right. So let's let's do this. A lamb. All right, you know what that means? There must be a sacrifice. All right, I'm going to abbreviate this here because we're running out of room. All right, then look at the next verse. Look at verse number four. And if the household be too little for the lamb. Do you notice the definite article there? It's not just a. A is an indefinite article. It's an article, but it's indefinite. It's just a, a box, a car, a... If you say the wife or the child versus any kid, that's different, right? So here it goes a step further. Now you know there's a particular sacrifice. You know God won't take any sacrifice? It has to be the blood of the Lamb. Do you know that? All the way back to Cain and Abel and all the way through your Bible, all the way back, let's go before that. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. When they when the Lord clothed them with with skins, where did those skins come from? You know, if someone had to die to pay for that to pay for the sin of man, and an innocent lamb died right off the bat. And then God tells Cain and Abel what to do, and Cain doesn't listen, and Abel does. And God it, it respects the offering of Abel, but he doesn't respect the offering of Cain. Cain is a great picture of a self righteous lost person, um, and because they're they're frustrated because I'm doing everything I can do. I'm living a good life. I'm doing everything that I should do. And yet God is more pleased with this guy. I've heard people say this. So you're telling me some guy could be in jail for killing someone. And then he asked Jesus Christ to save him. And he's going to heaven. And I've lived a good life. And I've been in Lutheran church for 25 years. And I've tithed and I've done this. And you're telling me he's better. I didn't say he's better than you. But I'm asking, have you been born again? Well, I've lived a good life. Okay, well, there's the problem. You understand the problem is self-righteousness. So then God goes, I want the blood of the Lamb. So there has to be a sacrifice. And then the next verse, he says, the blood of the, uh, 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 the house will be too little for the lamb. Now look at verse number 5. What are the first two words? How about that? You know what the Lord is trying to show you? It's a personal sacrifice. You know, the Lord didn't just die for the whole world. He died for you. Now, you, you say, what is this? We're learning about the Passover. This is the lamb of the sacrifice for the Passover. And he's showing you, look, there has to be a sacrifice. There can only be one, and this one's for you. How about that? And, and so the Lord wants you to understand, look, th- these, are, these are pictures of things in the Old Testament. Uh, look at verse number 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. You know, you know what you learn about Jesus Christ? He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Amen. And uh, it says here, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And you line this up with uh, what they do to Jesus Christ whenever they, during his trial. It lines right up. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Do you know what Israel does? We have no king but Caesar. Crucify him. How about that? The whole assembly does it. Now, uh, over here, now look at verse number 11. Thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Now he tells them to eat it in haste. Now that has to do with the fact that he's going to tell them, "Okay, eat it and I'm getting you ready to go out." All right So that Passover is a picture of it's kind of an interesting thing. It's kind of like the Lord's Supper in this respect. Uh, remember what it says? Go, go to First Corinthians chapter 11, as a matter of fact, and I'll show you this so you can see it for yourself. First Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11. No better way to start your year than to learn more of the Bible, right? Uh, First Corinthians chapter number 11. Do you realize the Bible talks about finances and it talks about marriage and it talks about the physical uh, relationship between man and woman and it talks about everything that's going on in your life, everything. And And if you've got resolutions that you're trying to put together, and I'm not saying those are bad, but if you've got resolutions, you're not, you're not going to get real far without the Bible. That's right. They won't last long, They won't, especially the ones that, that should last for eternity, they won't. Uh, look at First Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, if you look toward uh, the... Uh, End of the chapter, look, if you would, at verse number uh, 25. After the same manner, also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death. Question, was the Lord's death past or present or future? From where we're at right now. Past. Past. All right. What's the next phrase? Till he come. Past, present, or future? So you're looking back and you're looking forward. You know what the Passover was? It was looking back to the Lord uh, bringing the angel of death and passing over them. It's a picture of salvation. And then you say, what happens after that? Well, they get to the Red Sea. And you know what the Lord does to the Red Sea? He parts it and brings them over. You say, what is it? It's a great picture of uh, basically I'm looking, I'm looking at when I got saved and looking to when the Lord gets me out of here. That, that is really what you're... These are, these are what we call types or symbols from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now, when they're doing all this stuff in the Old Testament, do they know all that? Absolutely not. Just like half the stuff that you're going through in your life, you don't know what you're doing right now. You figured out five years down the road, can I get a witness? All right? And you go, oh, that's what that was all about, right? So when they were doing what God told them to do, they were just doing it. Uh, now, I, I think looking in the, in the New Testament, especially someone like the Apostle Paul, He's looking at all this stuff in the Old Testament going, now it's starting to make sense. Because the Passover lamb, you know who it was? It was Jesus Christ himself. Look at John chapter, we were there earlier, John chapter 1. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And completely random and not connected to the study. Uh, Is your mom here today? No, okay, I got something you give to her, a late Christmas gift for the Sunday school teacher, so you make sure you get that, all right? John chapter, if I don't do it right then, I will forget to do it, sorry. This is called getting old, amen? Uh, John chapter one, look if you would at verse number 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold thee, what? the what? All right, the Lamb of God. You say, well, why do you, why do you call him that? Uh, because he is that Passover lamb. He is that sacrifice that allows us to be covered so that the angel of death passes over us and allows us to look back at his sacrifice, but to look forward to his coming. All right? and, and that's what you have in the picture of the Passover. Now, uh, Jesus Christ goes into the temple during that time. Uh, and he does that for a particular reason. It's, it's a picture of cleansing things. Uh, as a matter of fact, what you have uh, in, in the New Testament is you've got two times that the Lord does this. Uh, the Lord goes in John 2 at the beginning of his ministry... And in Matthew 21, toward the end of his ministry, all right? Now, one of the things that he does when he comes back to establish his kingdom uh, is he goes to the temple and he cleanses it out. Anybody want to know why he does that? Or do you know what's sitting? Uh, go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Do you know what's sitting in the temple? And by the way, the temple's not there right now. And some people say, well, oh, it would take them X amount of years to build the temple. Um, I've heard all kinds of speculations. They could do it with a 3D printer in one day. Okay, maybe that's it, you know, and whatever, fine. Uh, But I'll give you one a little bit easier than that, and here's what it is. In the Old Testament, God uses the term tabernacle and temple uh, synonymously. You'll find where he talks about David's tabernacle and he calls it a temple. So what that tells me is if there's going to be a temple in the tribulation when the Antichrist shows up, uh, all they really have to do on that temple mount, is get rid of the Mosque of Omar and throw a tent up, and you got a temple. Now, that, maybe that's not it. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, that's the easiest solution I've got for it. Either way, the temple's going to show up again. And, uh, and by the way, the temple does not have to be built again for the rapture to happen. Guys, quit listening to people that are telling you things that aren't true biblically. There's a lot of, I'll tell you, something speculative, like the three and a half verses seven, here's what I think. But for someone to go, oh, the temple has to be built, and go, wait until, uh, you, you won't, the rapture won't happen until then. The Bible doesn't say that. Everything that has to uh, take place for the rapture to happen is in place, guys. The rapture could happen at any moment. Uh, people say, well, it could be twenty, thirty, or twenty, thirty. Okay, fine. But I'm just saying right now, I'm going to live my life the way that Paul did. You know how Paul did it? Every day could be the day Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen. That's how Paul did it. I think if it worked for him, it ought to work for us. Now now look at Second Thessalonians chapter two, and uh, look if you would at verse number uh, du, 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 du. okay, verse number three, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first that 's called apostasy All right that's the th- basically where you have Christians condoning everything the world does that 's where we 're at today where there 's no right there 's no wrong, you know if it works for you then it 's fine, and God loves everybody and Look, here's what you got to get a hold of. It's almost like modern Christians either want to make God this, like, lightning bolt, you know, like, like almost like Zeus. Like, I'm going to smoke you just because I hate all of you, and you're all wicked and evil and going to hell. Or, or he has to be a God of love, which means he's basically a pedophile. Right. Can, can we just have a little bit of balance and go, you know what? My God is a God of love and a God of justice. Right. And, and so you know what my God does? My God dem- demands justice, but he also delights. This is awesome. He demands justice, but he delights in mercy. How about that? Hosea says that. Our God's a God that delights in, mer- in giving mercy. All right, so, so you know what you have? You've got a God that, de- that, that demands righteousness from his people. This idea that anything goes and you can, you can do whatever you want to do and be whatever you want to be, and, 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 and how dare you judge someone else's sin? You're supposed to judge sin in your own life. Do you know that? The Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. 1 Corinthians 11. You're supposed to judge starting with you. The problem is when you start judging everything else, you're not willing to look in the mirror and look at you. But you are supposed to judge and discern that things are right. You live in a generation of Christians that don't want to do that. So you, know you, have, you have a falling away from the truth. And that's what Paul's addressing in verse number 3. Then he says this, And that man of sin be revealed, that's the Antichrist, the son of perdition. Now look what it says in verse 4. Look at what he does during the Great Tribulation who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the what the temple. temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Uh, do you know what, what uh, the Bible references? You read about in Matthew and in Daniel and in Revelation, about the abomination of desolation, the image of the Antichrist that literally sits in the Holy of Holies, in the place where God's presence would come down, between the place where those cherry would look into each other, all right? And so what the Antichrist is going to do is he's going to step into that place. So you know what the Lord does when he comes back? He does exactly what he did in John 2 and Matthew 21. He cleans out the temple and gets it ready for worship, Amen. all right? So what you're reading in John 2, while it might just seem like an innocent story, there's something that just happened during his ministry, or almost like Jesus got a little upset, it's more than that. It's a picture of things to come. Now, in the, in, in the moment, go back to John chapter 2. What I do want to point out is this. From a very practical standpoint, the Lord should be able to look in the areas of your life because your life is His. He bought you, amen? And He should be able to go, I don't want that there. Let's get that out of here. Can He do that? Here's, here's a hard one for you. And I don't like this either. Some of you need to remember this. Um, I didn't always stand behind a pulpit. I once sat where you're sitting. And I didn't always like a preacher getting up and saying, you need to change that because I would sometimes sit there and go, who do you think you are? Tell me what I got to change. I know who you're not perfect. You're not sinless, right? Uh, let me ask you this. Can the Lord use a preacher to do that for you? Can the Lord use the script? Do you, are you reading your Bible every day? Can the Lord use the scriptures to go, uh, let's get this out of here? Um, yeah, that, you want to talk about a new, a new Year's resolution? Let God clean you up. Man, we are so dirty from everything out in the world that we don't even realize it sometimes. I, I'll tell you what's amazing: my boys will go out and play sometimes, and they'll come back in and they'll smell like goat, and they'll smell like horse, and they'll smell like dirt, and they'll smell like you know mud and all kinds of stuff. Just, just stink to high heaven. And I tell them, hey guys, you want you need to take a shower tonight. Why? They don't, see any pro- they don't see anything wrong with how they smell or how they look. Or I, don't, I took a bath two days ago. Yeah, that was two days ago. And you've done a lot of gross stuff in the last 48 hours. You need to be cleaned up. Any parents know what I'm talking about? All right? And, and so, you know, you're that way with the Lord. I read my Bible a couple days ago. I went to church a month ago. I went, I, I, Lord, I'm good. The Lord's like, well, you don't realize You smell. And so what the Lord does is he goes into his temple and he cleans it out. You say, why? It's his temple. It's his temple. I'll say it again. Amen. It's his temple. <laughs> and so he should be able to go in there and clean it out when he wants to. Um, you know, there's a, uh, listen, let me give you guys a little piece of advice, all right? As long as you're in your parents' home and you're not paying rent, they should be able to walk in your room and go clean it up. Yeah. This is my space. <laughs> no, it ain't. <laughs> not yet. When you want to pay taxes and pay your bills and pay everything, then it can be your space. Until then, it's their space. And someday you're gonna have the joy if you're lucky enough to have children to look at you and go, "This is my space." And you have the same. Your mind will go back to the year 2022, 2023, and you'll go, "Oh, that was me 20 some years ago, right?" Amen. Come on, we all did it. We all did it. All right. But until which time you buy that place, it isn't your place. The Lord bought you. You're His. And so he should be able to go in there and go, this is mine. I want to clean this up. Hey, you know what? You've got some habits from last year. We're going to change some things this year. You've got some things you've been looking at. We're going to change some things this year. You've been, some things you've been consuming in your life, we're going to change that this year. But y- there's some things that you've been looking to to kind of bring relief in your life, and they're temporary. They're not really helping you long term. And all they're doing is putting distance between you and me and between you and the people you should be close to. Let's change that this year. But you have to be willing to allow them to come in. And let me just say this, sometimes the Lord doesn't come in and go, Hi, I'm here from the Commission of Higher Living. Um, I, I'd like to help you out if you'd allow me. You know what the Lord does? Sometimes he just goes in there and goes, let's get this out of here. And, and, and that's what the modern Christian doesn't like. I want a soft Jesus to ask my permission of what he wants in my life. And let me tell you, he doesn't need to do that. Now, what's amazing about this is the Lord is also a free will employer, amen? He does not, he won't force you to do anything, but he will show up sometimes with a whip and go, let's kick this out of here. Then the fight is on. That's where you go, well, I don't want you here. I got this, Lord. I can handle this. And the Lord's like, you haven't handled it for the last 30 years. And let me help you out a little bit. If you haven't handled it in the last 15, 16, 17, you won't handle it in 40 years. You better allow the Lord to come in and deal with you where you're at. And, and some of you, you might find out that you'd have a better marriage, you'd have a better family life, you'd have a better just Christian life and have more joy if you'd allow the Lord to go in and clean some things up. And you know what? Maybe you need to quit asking. I, I know this is maybe not part of the Bible study, but here we go. Maybe you need to quit asking what's wrong with it and start asking what's right with it. Amen. How does this make me a better... Lord, how does this make your temple more holy? Well, I don't see what the problem is with watching that show. Okay, does it make you more holy? I don't see what the problem is with, what, with listening to that music. Okay, does it make you more holy? I don't see what the problem is with, okay, does it make you more holy? My, my friends are fine. Why are you picking up my friends? I, everyone's got you know, issues in their life. Okay, but does it make you more holy? You need to learn this. Ministry is one thing. Fellowship is a completely different thing. Amen. Yes, sir. I can minister to the people that I work with. Amen. Look, i got—I got a member of your church that works with your pastor, and he'll tell you there are things that we can't laugh about at work. They're not funny. They might laugh about them. You say, why? Man, once you start doing that, you blow your testimony. You know, you can minister to people and not fellowship with them. Some of you better learn that this year, man. You, get, you struggled last year because you keep thinking that in order to minister to people, you have to do everything that they do and be just like them. No, you don't. Jesus Christ didn't do that. He's supposed to be your example, isn't he? Yeah. Well, then there you go. So, so what the Lord does, he goes and he cleanses the temple. Some of you are like, man, can we move on? We're getting there. We're getting there. The, 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 go to the next slide if you would, brother. The Lord made provision, listen to me, for allowing the nation of Israel to use their money to buy animals for their sacrifices. All right? The reason for that was, okay, God is a reasonable God. He says this, if you live like you know, 200 miles away, and you're supposed to be bringing goats and sheep and all this stuff, and they can't make the journey, I'll tell you what you can do. Bring money with you, and when you get to Jerusalem, you can buy those animals. Here's the problem. Now listen to me. That sounds on the level, on the surface, it sounds like that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, but they're going a little step further. The Lord has no problem with you, you, listen to me very carefully, using the world. But He doesn't want you abusing the world. Because you're in it, but you're not of it. And so what happened is something that started, it's like anything else in life, it starts with giving an inch and it turns into a mile. The Lord says, okay, you can do this because I understand the journey would be too hard to bring all this livestock with you so you can buy it when you get there. You can read that in Deuteronomy 14, won't do it right now. But what they did is they started making a business out of it and no longer was it a matter of actually doing it outside, which is where it belonged. Then they brought it inside the temple. And now they're making merchandise. Now they're making a business. It's a big scheme. It's a big money-making thing inside the church. Now, look, you know what you have at New Heights Baptist Church? You've got an offerings. You can give or you don't give. That's up to you. But you know what you're not going to have here, by the grace of God, as long as I'm pastor anyways? You're not going to have 30 minutes of announcements that centers. I'm, I'll never forget. I went to a church. Lacey, I think you were with me. For a Christmas service years ago here in town. And about 30 minutes of that, the, the preaching was 15 minutes long. The 30 minutes of the conversation was about this thing we're going to do. We need money for this. We need money for that. Do you need money in a church to do things? Absolutely. There's extremes to everything. There's some of you that think, you know, know, God just allows us to have free rent. No, someone's paying for this. Amen. Someone's giving faithfully. But the other extreme is also wrong. The other extreme is this is all about a big business. And this is not a business, guys. This is a ministry. And and so what you end up having is the Lord seeing a, a problem there. And I'll just say this. You would look at that and go, I would never do that. Well, make sure, look at First Corinthians chapter 7. Go with me there. Make sure that you are following Paul's advice about this. And, and listen, money's a part of life, but it can be abused, especially in places of worship. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, I won't go to church if they ask for money. All right, well, then don't go to Walmart. Don't go anywhere for crying out loud stinking fat baby. You know what your problem is? You, you'll throw money at everything else that you want to, but you won't put it into something that matters spiritually, internally. I know your problem. You're stingy. That's your problem. I get it. But on the other extreme, you go to some churches where literally it's all that they talk about. And so you know what that does? That gives, that gives our, the church at large, uh, Bible-believing people are thrown in that mix. It gives us one more obstacle to reaching people. How many of you ever tried talking to someone about coming to church and like all they ever do is ask for money? Anybody? I've had that. Uh, you know, I tell them, I won't ask you for one cent. I don't want your money. I literally tell them that. I just want you to know Jesus Christ. Uh, now, now you see that the problem is it, it comes from abusing things, not using things. God has no problem with you using money. God has no problem with you using the elements of this world. It's when you make it about those things and it becomes bigger to you than God that it's a problem. Uh, look at First Corinthians chapter 7. Look if you would at verse 31. And they that use this world, watch it, as not what? You can use it. There's no problem with using the elements of this world. You're in this world. You've got to use the elements. You've got to pay bills. You've got to work. You got, you've got to drive a car. All these things are part of life. There, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you abuse it, that's the problem. Look what it says here. For the fashion of this world passeth away you know i love doing with my kids i love showing them commercials from the 1980s and they'll go people dress like that you know i remind them guess what someday when your kids look at what you're wearing right now they'll go what were you wearing yeah i remember i'm old enough to remember bell bottoms and then 80s jeans to uh fubu big baggy jeans in the 90s uh, and, uh, what were those, not food, but the other big ones, Janko Gen- jeans. I knew some of you would know that the big old, the, the pant legs were this big, man, uh, to, to the, you know, the, the early two thousands where you still got a little bit of the side to then the skinny jeans to then again, the baggy pants are coming out. Now the girls are wearing mom jeans. Like it's cool again. Mom jeans were things we laughed about in the early two thousands. <laughs> I, I mean, you know what the, you know, the moral of the story is the fashion of this world passeth away constantly changing. And so you don't want to get so caught up in it that you forget that there's an eternity after this. And that the the things that you have right now, all you should be doing with them is using them for eternal purposes. So use it, use the elements of this world, but don't abuse it. Notice uh, that the Lord, go back to John chapter 2. Notice what Jesus says about what they did in his temple. They made it a den of thieves, and that's a reference you can find in Matthew 21 as well. Uh, it, it's not found here in John chapter 2. It's found in Matthew 21. But, but look what he says in verse 16. And said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence. Make You know what's interesting about that? A dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit. You can't buy the Holy Spirit. You know, Peter, uh, Peter addresses that over there in the book of Acts. You can't buy the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's these doves, and they're selling them. And he says, take these things hence. Make not my father's house an house of merchandise. And uh, matter of fact, sec- if you're taking notes, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3 talks about how there are people that will make merchandise of you. In other words, uh, listen, man, if you, <laughs> you ever watch TBN, anybody ever watch the Trinity Broadcast Network and they want to sell you a vial of sand from the very shores where Jesus walked? And if you just sprinkle this on your Bible or whatever else and pray over it, then you'll have... You know, good success in 2023, all that kind of... Listen, I I don't know how it is now. I grew up with that in my house, and my mom was kind of into that stuff. And I remember watching that, even as a kid, going, I don't think that's how that works. Uh, But people would spend literally thousands of dollars on TBN. Uh, Instead of investing in in things that actually matter in a local church, getting people saved, you're you're basically building uh, someone else's fortune for them to fly around in jets... You know, and tell people they got the gift of healing when they could go to the cancer ward and heal everybody, but they won't do that. Right. They'll have you come to their thing and shell out an offering, and then we're going to heal everybody, right? Uh, that's making merchandise of you. That's, that's wicked is what that is. And so the Lord addresses that, and He says this. Uh, he says uh, in verse number, um, actually, go to Matthew 21. Forgive me. Go to Matthew 21 real quick. I want to show you this. God's house is meant to be a house of prayer. That's one of the things that, you, uh, that He calls it and uh, you know what your life should be your body should be a a house of prayer how's your prayer life Uh, i know some things uh, and i'll just speak uh uh, very very transparently on my behalf uh, and that is this that it's sometimes a little bit easier to be in a rhythm of reading your bible than it is praying because there's a finish and an end of your bible reading prayer is a little bit different Prayer is a discipline where you kind of get to go, okay, I've got all these things I need to pray about. And I know I can't stay here all day, but Lord, I need fellowship with you. I need to talk to you. Um, And, you know, communication, conversations are two-way streets. The Bible is God speaking to you. Prayer is you speaking to God. I can't explain it. I wish I could better, but there is something, I would say, glorious and mysterious about a good prayer life. Where it's almost like a release of pressure, a release of anxiety, a release of... You know, And when you don't have your prayer life where it ought to be, you're kind of manipulative and controlling and trying to put everything where it goes, and ah, ah, and you're agitated easily. Uh, and so l- look, here if you would, at Matthew 21, and uh, uh, look down at verse number 12. And Jesus went in the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And said to them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of what? prayer but you made it a den now there's no doubt it's a good it's a good picture of you know you coming to church and having prayer at the altar there's nothing wrong with that but let me go a step further and go that you are god's mobile home okay um and uh, you go well, i want to be a mansion sorry you're you're god's trailer amen you're, you're god's rv you are the mobile home of the lord the mobile temple of god and your life should reflect a life of prayer so as we're going into uh 2023 uh and we're starting this year off the right way, let me ask you, how's your prayer life? And uh, we're going to go ahead and stop right there. Let me just close with this other thought, but if you go to the next uh, slide real quickly, um, I I want you to just get this image in your mind, and uh, no, the Lord is not a red-haired, blue-eyed Irish Catholic, okay? He's a Jew, and I get that, but this is the only picture I could find showing this, so here it is, all right? Um, But... But I, I, I guess what I want you to take away outside of this red hair is um, just this image of the Lord not asking permission and going in and doing what is right. And, you know, that is the Lord of glory. And when he shows up on this earth, he's not going to ask anyone's permission. or at, There's not going to be any vote in the United Nations. He's going to take his throne. You know, most modern Christians don't know anything about that. And, and it's almost like, the, it, it, you know, by the way... Uh, I got some Bibles in here. I won't read from them this morning. But over there in John chapter... Ah, go there. Sorry. John chapter 18. John chapter 18. I I want you to see it. John chapter 18. And uh, I'm going to try to find this. There we go. Um, Yeah. Look at John 18. Look, if you would, at verse 36. Jesus, Words matter. Words matter. Jesus answered, "My kingdom is not of this world. You ever seen those bumper stickers n o t w and wonder what that meant It's a Christian thing, all right and that's cool there's nothing wrong with that, uh, but I kind of want to give you the other side of the story all right? and 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 the reality is this you've got two kingdoms that are talked about in the New Testament. The kingdom of God, which is what John addresses very specifically in John chapter three, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God All right, it is a spiritual kingdom, and so that kingdom of God is not something. That, it, that is of this world. It's, an e- it's something that's from up there. It's spiritual. It's eternal. Because God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the kingdom of God, according to Luke, is within you. All right, But the kingdom of heaven is a literal, physical kingdom of Jesus Christ reigning on the earth. All right, And both of those will be present when He shows up. Now, look what it says in John 18.36. If my kingdom were of... What are the next two words? You know what he's saying? Listen, when I come, it won't be of this political world. It's going to be a different one. And then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. Now, there's a very important word here. But what's the next word? Now. Do you know that word is missing from a lot of modern Bibles? So here's how it reads. But my kingdom is not from hence. If you take the word now out, you know what that means? His kingdom will never be on this earth. That's not That's not true. His kingdom is not now of this world, but it will be, all right? And when, it, when, it, when He comes, He's going to not ask anyone's permission or what they think. There'll be no votes. And I guess from a practical standpoint, what I would, I would say to you is this. The Lord should have that kind of freedom and liberty in your life. There's nothing better than a church service where the Spirit of God can move. And there's nothing worse than a bunch of spiritually constipated children of God. We got this baby here. And uh, I'll tell you what, something kind of scary she'll look at you like this and then she'll go (laughs) and all of a sudden a noise follows are you with me all right and and you know one of the worst things that can happen to a baby is they kind of get stopped up i know this is gross for some of you i'm living in grossville right now (laughs) i've probably changed a hundred diapers in the last few days i kid you not all right my theory my philosophy is this uh, if she has to go through the trouble of giving birth to the baby in nine months and all that stuff, I can change some diapers. So I'm changing. I'm on diaper duty, right? I could be in another city and my wife would go, yeah, I know her diaper's dirty right now. <laughs> and, and so I'm going to be there and I can change the diaper. I'm in Grovesville right now, and I tell you what, one of the worst things that can happen to a baby is they get constipated. Yeah, right. They're miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what they do? They, they'll look at you. That little, Look at her. Look at how angelic. <laughs> can I just, just, just for, I mean, look at this look at this 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 (laughs) is angelic until it's 2 a.m and she's looking at you going (laughs) because she's got gas and she can't move it (laughs) You, you know what i'm trying to say what i'm trying to say is this is that the most miserable people in the world sometimes are christians who are spiritually not allowing things to move like they ought to the lord wants to move in your life the question is will you let him let's go ahead and stop right there father we thank you for the time of the Word of God this morning already. Lord, thank you for Sunday school and the importance of it. Lord, these people did not have to come. We joke about getting here at 10, but they didn't have to be here. I'm sure for a lot of people it's a later night and maybe they weren't doing everything the world does, but uh, Lord, uh, oftentimes when we didn't have the baby around, we'd be up and we'd be eating snacks and having a good time and all that. Uh, so the fact that they decided to come this morning and be here for this, Lord, I pray you'd bless them. I pray you'd give them something special. Lord, spiritually, just for, for being where they ought to be, and bless them for it. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel of John. Thank you for the example that you set, Lord, about keeping things clean. Lord, help us as we go into this year, Lord, to be clean. Lord, to allow you to clean us up from the inside out. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll take a break there. We'll start about five after.